your willingness to serve, and especially your willingness to walk in the cold this morning. And uh, I, uh, I thank the Lord when people are willing to praise the Lord, but when they're willing to sacrifice too, that's a wonderful thing. God bless you. Our scripture this morning comes from the gospel according to John chapter 3. While you're turning there, I want to express uh, my gratitude on your gifts to the cooperative program. And uh, I gave as a Christian, I gave as a pastor. Our church has always sought to increase in cooperative program giving. I never realized that God was going to call me to be a missionary in evangelism and uh, go and share the gospel and do these types of things. And I just praise the Lord for that. And I also would like to express on behalf of Milton Hollifield, who is our executive director, treasurer, uh, his appreciation of your church and your pastor and staff. We've had a great week with them this week uh, in the Intentionally Evangelistic Church Strategy. And uh, we've had a wonderful time. We've talked about Pastor Jared singing a solo, but that still hasn't gone over real well yet. I don't understand. Nobody wanted him. To, he didn't want to do that. So, uh, but we appreciate it. He has a good voice. I heard him singing over there a moment ago. We're going to be reading uh, one verse, but I would like for you to keep your Bibles open there as we uh, go back through different things. Would you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God? John chapter 3, verse 16, a verse that some of you know very well. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Jesus was speaking to a religious leader a religious man, a moral man, a good man, but a man who was not going to heaven. And so he spoke to this religious, moral, intelligent person, and after a lengthy discussion, these are some of the words that he said. In verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank you, and you may be seated. Let's bow our heads and join our hearts together in prayer. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Uh, It's such an honor to be your guest today, and I'm so thankful that you're here. I have prayed and asked God to bring uh, people to this place today who need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if you're not certain that you have that personal, ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ, you can't go back in your life and, and find a place where you actually experienced Him. I'm going to share with you at the end of this message how you can have that experience and how wonderful it will transform, wonderfully it will transform your life. And I'm going to ask the Father to give you courage to, in just a little while, to open your life to Him and then to come forward and give your life to Christ and make it public before this church. Father, how thankful we are for the opportunity on the day that our Lord was raised from the dead, the first day of the week, that we come and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And how wonderful it is that, Father, you could take a sinner like me, someone that had no clue, had no idea, thought everything was great, and then you showed me your love. And I thank you so much for that, Father. And I pray that you would help me to show others your love today and that they would receive that love and that the Christians here would begin to realize how important it is that we share your love with others in this community, in this county, in this state, and in this world. 
Use us this day, Father. I pray that your spirit would speak so strongly that no one would hear my words, but your words. That he would speak so strongly and draw people to himself, to yourself, Father, that people would just come today without any hesitation and give their lives to you. Bless the Christians. Bless those who are seeking today, Father, and help them to come and find you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, gentlemen, I'm giving you clear warning. In two days, something's going to happen. You will be very blessed or you will be very sorry. It's called Valentine's Day. Now, gentlemen, you need to make special efforts to show your spouse how much you love her. Amen, ladies? Trevor, they didn't do me any better than they did you, friend. All right? All right. Men, you will never regret a penny you spend on showing your wife how much you love her. So show your wife this week. Okay? By the way, men, you need to date your wife every week on a you and her date. And I'm not talking about her fixing you your favorite meal. I'm talking about getting in the car and going to the restaurant, holding hands, and reigniting the love that God has given you as a couple. Okay? I, I, I know this is a very uh, time that, that this, this is something I just felt like we might want to share today. Teenagers, by the way, those young ladies back, they can sing. Uh, my God, that, you have a choir right there coming up. They just did a great job, all of those young ladies singing back there. I was, uh, I told this story. I have heard of some people, you know, how they fall in love and, and how they get married and things. Just really interesting to hear how people fell in love. I first saw my sweetheart when we were, I was uh, in the school, it was gym, in the gym uh, that was raining outside, so we were giving the, you know, we, the football guys were sitting on the top giving the teacher a hard time. And in walked this beautiful black-haired, black-eyed little lady with everything in the right place. And I, she was new. I was going to meet that girl, and I got to her before anyone else did. And uh, she actually came to my dad's restaurant, and I ran out there before my brother did and waited on her, and I spent my life waiting on her and loving every minute of it. But I've heard, now I'm going to change the names to, to protect the guilty, but I, this is a story about a, a young couple that fell in love. And the young man went through church. He was a godly young man. He always wanted to be, you know, do the right things. But this young man... He was uh, very shy, very shy young man. As a matter of fact, he didn't stutter, but when he, when he got around a girl, he began to have problems speaking. So he, he got to where he just went. He went all the way through high school, couldn't even ask a girl for a date because he started stuttering when he did. It embarrassed him so badly that he just, uh, he just wouldn't date. But he got to college, and he knew that God had a special godly young lady for his life. And young men and young women... You need to wait for God's choice and not your choice. And so he began to pray and said, Father, would you please show her to me? Would you please show her to me? And went to college chemistry class. Went to chemistry class. If you, you never thought anything good came out of chemistry class, well, here's something that did. And she, she was sitting there like an angel had stepped out of heaven. And so he asked, 
his friend to ask her friend what her name was, found out what her name. He asked his friend to ask her friend to ask her if she might go out. She told her friend to tell his friend to tell him to give her a call. So he uh, he picked up the telephone and and uh, started sweating and got very nervous. And, and uh, she picked up the phone. She said, hello. And he said, uh, uh, uh. And she hung up the phone and said, pervert. And so... He got his courage up all over again and, and picked up the telephone. And, and she said, hello. He said, hello. She didn't like that. She said, he said, is this Julie? And he, she said, yes. Who is this? This is Jared. I told you I changed the name to protect the guilty. And he, re- he just screamed out, will you go out with me Saturday night? She said, uh-huh. And said, he, he said, I'll pick you up at six. And he hung up. And boy, he was so excited. I mean, he was just all week long. He washed his Mustang convertible. So many times he wiped the paint clean off the side. He went out to, uh, you know, instead of going to Walmart where he normally bought his clothes, he went out to Dillard's and, and, uh, and you know, all these other places and bought things from Pierre Cardboard and Ralph Lariat and, and all these kinds of things. I mean, he, he bought some of this, you know, this, uh, this cologne that they have. And, and he, he didn't buy just one bottle. He bought two and he put all of it on before he went on. the. You could smell him one mile coming and one mile going. But here he comes on the date. It's Saturday night. And he went up and he, he, uh, uh, he was so excited. He had the top back on the stang. He had candy and flowers because he was a smart mama taught him well. And so he had candy and flowers and he pulled up and he didn't sit out there and blow, blow the horn because a Christian gentleman never blows the horn for a Christian lady. And he got out of the car and he walked up to the door and had the candy in one hand and flowers in the other. She came to the door and he was just sweating. He was so nervous. His clothing, his brand new expensive clothing was wet. And he handed her the candy and said, Julie, I'm Jared. And she said, well, come in. I want you to meet my parents. So they did. And then they came out. And he went out and he opened the door on the Mustang for her because a Christian gentleman always opens the door for a Christian lady. They're just missing it. They're just missing it. I'm trying to help them out here. <laughs> and so she got in and they went to a movie and they found out they both liked the same kind of movies, which is uh, grade B romantic action thrillers with people like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Chicken and people like that in there. And so they were sitting there in about the middle of the movie and, and Jared got all of his courage up that he could and he reached over and he held her hand for one hour and 45 minutes. Have you ever seen a hand that's been held one hour and 45 minutes? Well, after the movie, they went and dried their hands off and they got in the car, went out to get ice cream. And, 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 and you know, Jerry was just thinking, this is, this is her. This is the marriage made in heaven. She likes strawberry ice cream just like I do. And so they were going home and he had the top back on the stang and the moon was looking like a huge silver basketball in the sky with all these starlit diamonds all around it. And he drove up to her house and all of a sudden he got nervous again and he was getting sweating again because, you know, he just, he just, all of a sudden this question came to his mind. Does a Christian young man kiss a Christian young lady on the first date? Well, he just didn't know. Someone said no. Amen. And so your mama's taught you're right. And so he got out of the car and went and opened the door for her because a Christian gentleman always opens the door for a Christian lady. 
Ah, they're catching on. They're catching on. And they walked up hand in hand to the door. And they stood on the porch. And they gazed into each other's eyes. And all of a sudden, Julie felt the stirrings of love in her heart. And she closed her eyes and tilted back her head and pooched out her lips like you ladies do. And she waited. And she waited. And she waited. And she knew she had him because he held her by the hand. So she opened one eye, no Jerry, and opened the other eye, no Jerry. She looked down. He was on his knees praying. And he prayed something like this. Father, Father, up above should I kiss the one I love. And from the second story window, a deep bass voice rang out, Center, center down below, puck her up and let her go. <laughs> well, love, love can be tough, especially expressing love. This is a time we talk of love. I was listening to a commercial several years ago where it says, Give the gift that lasts forever, the gift of love that lasts forever, diamonds. Now, diamonds aren't bad, right, ladies? Oh, they're getting really good there, brother. Diamonds are not bad, but diamonds will not last forever. The only thing that will last forever is eternal life, everlasting life, that comes from the love of Jesus Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know His love is so wonderful. It's a gift that lasts forever. And, you know, there will be people who will give gifts this week, and there will be people who give cards and flowers and candies and other kinds of gifts, but they'll forget to give the gift that lasts forever. The cards will one day be lost, or they'll grow old and fade. The the flowers will wilt, uh, or they'll fade if they're artificial. Don't buy artificial flowers, men. That was just an illustration, okay? The candy will go to waste, both wastes. (laughs) But the gift that lasts forever is the gift that everyone seeks and so many people don't know. I was a high school football player who I didn't, my parents didn't take me to church. Some of you young people have a drug problem and I know about it. You're drugged to church every Sunday morning, aren't you? You ought to be thankful that your parents love you enough. Mine mine did not take me to church. I was sent to church, and I didn't know what was going on. I played football right beside the preacher's son and the deacon's son. I played played linebacker, and those guys were there every day, and and these people that went to church, and, and no one ever told me that I was dying and going to a hell that God didn't want me to go. He loved me so much he didn't want me to go there. Nobody ever told me that. Nobody ever loved me enough to ever tell me that. And then my um, girlfriend at the time, her mother wouldn't let me see her one night unless I went to this thing called a revival. Do you know what that is? They had special services through the night, and they'd bring in a guest speaker. and, And we were sitting on the far back row, and we were holding hands and rubbing shoulders and, you know, just paying no attention to what was going on. Then all of a sudden, God spoke to my heart. And I realized that all my good... Because if someone had asked me I was going to heaven, I said, sure, I'm a pretty good guy. I hadn't shot anybody. And I'm serious. I thought my good stuff would outweigh my bad stuff. I would not go to hell. 
what I did not realize was I have never had enough good stuff. I never will do enough good stuff to make it into heaven. And Jesus was talking to this man, Nicodemus, who had far more good stuff than I could ever do. And he told him, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus didn't like that too much. He said, what, I've got to go back into my mother's womb? Jesus said, you've got to be born again to see the kingdom of God, to experience the kingdom of God, to enter the kingdom of God. You have got to be born again. And Nicodemus was a moral man. I mean, he tithed. He gave, he gave over 10% of his income. This man was a very religious man. But he did not know Jesus. He did not have eternal life. And so Jesus told him how to have eternal life. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Now, Jesus loved Nicodemus enough to tell him, is, is there anyone in your life, are there multiple persons in your life that you love enough that you've told them? Well, I don't know how. Well, we're going to remedy that right now, okay? We're going to share this one verse. Many of you have memorized this verse. It's a simple verse to memorize. Now I'm going to show you how you can be, use it in a conversation to share the love of Jesus. Now, tonight we're going to talk about how to build relationships and, and how important it is to build relationships and how to have different types of conversations. The one that Jesus had here was very abrupt. He just looked at him. And this religious man, with all he had more degrees than a thermometer, and he said, you need to be born again. Now, that's not too nice, is it? That wouldn't work too well in some of our genteel cultures. But Jesus was a truth teller, not politically correct. And so he said, you must be born again. And so we're going to look at how he went from telling him and, and shocking him. I mean, he shocked the man and then telling him about the love of God. Now, how many of you received one of these little brochures right here? How many of you did not? Oh, okay. Do we have some ushers? All right, they're going to get some. And I've got a bunch up here. And uh, we want to make sure everybody gets one of these because I want to share with you how that you can share Christ through this. You see, it's not really hard. Yesterday, I was in the CVS drugstore in Marsville, uh, North Carolina. And there was a young lady there wearing her hijab, her headdress of, of, a, of a follower of Islam. And I said something about uh, my wife had uh, passed away. And she said, because I was looking for a way to share with her. I really was. I knew, who, I knew where her relationship was or her religion. I wanted her to have a relationship with God. By the way, I don't believe in religion. You know that? I believe in relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a difference. You can have a religion and die and spend eternity in hell without Jesus Christ. You can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You'll go to heaven and be with him forever. Because it's the relationship that matters. Any others need some? We've got some coming down. All right, got several up here. Now, this, this is just going to be a little thing for you to look at. I'm going to show you how to use this one verse. You don't have to memorize all of these verses. But I'm going to show you how to use this one verse to share the gospel. That young lady looked at me yesterday and she said, I, my condolences to you, sir. I said, well, thank you, but I know where she is. She looked at me very funny. She said, I told her she is with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven because we belong to him. And she, you know, she looked at me like, who is this guy? 
But you know, sometimes you just plant a seed. Sometimes you're able to harvest a life if God allows you to do that. And you've got to be ready to do this. How would you tell someone and remember it that you were a believer in Jesus Christ and how they could become one too, okay? Does everyone have one of the sheets now? Everyone got one? Very good. Now, we're going to use, again, your hand. And I'm going to ask you, if you would, just to go along with me. And when I I do certain things, then I want you to do this too, because we're going to do this throughout the sermon, and we'll repeat it, and then we'll show you how to share Christ with this. First of all... uh, we, don't, we want to look at the source of God's love. In John 3.16, the source of this gift that lasts forever is that God so loved the world. That word love there is a type of love that holds nothing back. They want the very best. They don't give you all you want, but they'll die to give you all you need. And so the Bible says, for God so loved, or agapeo, God so loved you. And so the first thing is good news. Can you hold your thumb up? And so, good news, all right? Now, for those of you my generation who did this, hey, all right, you got it. Good news, God loves you. Now, I want you from now on never to look at your thumb the same way. I want you to notice that that's a way to point people to Jesus. Now, most people point one finger up. What about pointing the thumb up? I've got some good news for you that God loves you. The Bible says God loves us. Isn't that wonderful? Out of creation, everything God has ever done, His heart toward us is love. Can you remember that? That's gotten me through some very tough times. His heart toward me is love. God loves us. That's a wonderful thing. That's a phenomenal thing. He's holy, folks. God is holy. We're all sinners. Some of us are saved sinners. Some of us are lost. Some of us know Christ. Some of us don't. But we're all sinners. We're a work in progress. But God loves us. And friend, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you're facing. God loves you. And no matter what heartache is breaking you right now, His heart toward you is love. So you've got love. For God so loved. So the source of our love, and this love is God. So and when you're sharing with someone, I want to tell you some good news. I want you to know something. God loves you. Well, you just don't know what I've gone through. You say, well, I, I understand that, but I do want you to know that God loves you. But the scope of his love, the source is of this love, of this gift is God. The scope is the world. And the world has one problem. Okay, would you raise your index finger? One problem. What is that problem? Oh, good, you're reading. Good. That's right. That's me. That's you. That's Billy Graham. That's Franklin Graham. That's the Pope. That's everybody in this world. We have a problem called sin. Well, I don't believe in sin. I've heard people say, I don't believe sin exists. And I had a friend of mine went up to someone who said that. Well, uh, you don't believe sin exists. He said, no, I don't. 
He said, well, do you have locks on your doors? Oh, of course I do. Do you have a security system? Well, of course. He said, would you give me your key and I'll just go downtown Atlanta and I'll just share your key to the first homeless person I find. You won't do it either. But you don't believe sin exists. I'm leaving. He didn't want to talk about it. Folks, we all have sin. Okay? We all, we all struggle. Now, let me share something with you. What I have found is that what you struggle with is not going to be the same thing as what someone else struggles with. But it's all sin. Oh, I, I just can't stand those, those uh, terrible drug dealers. And I'm going to gossip about them. Do you think your gossip is any less abhorrent to God than their drug dealing? You're tearing people's lives down. Most most people, homosexuals, drug dealers, abortionists, most people think we hate them. Now, we've got to stand for the truth, ladies and gentlemen. We have got to stand for the truth, ladies and gentlemen. We have got to stand for the truth, ladies and gentlemen. But let's don't be mean. Everybody's got sin. All right? So there's what? Good news? The scope. One problem. Do you know that if Osama bin Laden would have called out to God and asked Jesus to save him, Jesus would have. That's the kind of Savior we serve. Oh, no, he would. Yes, he would have. Yes, he would. If he'd asked God to forgive him and truly meant it and given his life to Jesus, because only Jesus can take care of the sin problem. For God so loved the... that he sacrificed. He sacrificed his only begotten son. He sacrificed him. I have two sons and two grandsons. Those grandsons are the handsomest, most athletic, intelligent people. I, I just, I, they're going to change the world. They already have mine, all right? I used to think that grandparents, when they had grandchildren, lost their mind. But I found out that there's a grandparent D, D, a gene in your DNA, and the moment you become a grandparent, all of a sudden you lose all sense of financial responsibility. You lose all you, you lose all sense of decorum. You'll act like a monkey to get them to laugh. I mean, you'll do anything. I would die for them. If I could have, if God would have allowed me, I would have died for Kathy. I didn't know how to fight cancer. But I wouldn't let anybody, I wouldn't let them die for anybody. I can't understand how God so loved you and me. And he let his perfect, the only perfect man that ever lived was Jesus Christ. And he let his son die for you and me on Calvary. I can't fathom it. I can't fathom it. But he did. So I want you to say this. Good news. Who loves you? One problem? Who has it? All of us do. Now, I want you to put your palm towards your face. Put your hand together like this. He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, walked up Calvary and died 
the cross. See that? Jesus Christ walked up Calvary and died on... He gave his own life. He didn't have to. He shed his blood for our sin. He did. His blood had to be shed. And then he came back from the dead on the third day. Isn't that amazing? He walked up Calvary to die for our sin on the cross. He shed his blood and he came back from the dead on the third day. Ladies and gentlemen, you can share this with your friends. If, if you just have a hand, you don't have to have, I have tracks in my pocket. You don't have to have that. You can show this to your friends and tell them how much God loves them that even though we have a problem, his son went to Calvary to shed his blood and come back from the dead on the third day. Is that not phenomenal? I've never gotten over being saved. I was raised in a home where Jesus wasn't uh, spoken of much, where there were no, not, was not prayer and Bible study, where we, weren't, we did not go and worship together. And folks, when I came out of that darkness, I couldn't figure out why hadn't someone told me that Jesus loved me enough to die for me. Couldn't figure it out. Jesus died, shed his blood and came back from the dead. So that's the sacrifice. Now here's the significance. That whosoever. Now here's the commitment. This is the ring finger. This is the ring finger. This is a finger where most of the time, if you're uh, an adult, you wear a wedding band, uh, things like this. This is the ring finger. That's the finger of commitment. You see... Because you have joined the church or you've been baptized or you come to church with your family or your grandmother told you you were going to heaven, that doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Did you know that? You personally have to commit your life. Oh, I prayed a prayer. That's not it. It's not a prayer that saves you. It's the person of Jesus Christ. Now, yes, you must talk to him through prayer, but the prayer doesn't save you. Jesus does by giving your life to him. So, Commitment. Are you willing to commit? Now, you are. I know you are. How many of you own your own home? Own your own car? Have credit cards? Have your own phone? You've committed somewhere. You've written something down. I'm committing to this. How many of you gotten married? Yeah. Big commitment. But what a great one. Ladies and gentlemen, commitment, committed to Jesus, not the church, not the pastor and staff, although you ought to love them. By the way, they're not perfect either. You need, and you aren't either. Hello? You aren't either. You need to be committed to the Lord Jesus. When you love Him, you have to love others. When my dad came to Christ, age 76, before he ever came to Christ, Little man about this high, tough as nails, fought his way through school, taught me to do the same thing. I mean, he was a tough man. He came through the house the next day crying. Little five foot five, five foot six guy, 125 pounds, crying, tearing something up. Mom said, what are you doing? He said, I had this huge list of everybody I was going to get even with before I died. 76 years old. 
He was just crying. Never seen my dad cry like that. He was just crying. He said, but now that Jesus lives in my heart, I can't hate anybody. See, that's what happens when you commit your life to Christ. He transforms you. I can't explain it. I just know it's happened. It happened to me. I can't explain how I felt God come into my life, but I felt God come into my life. So that's commitment. Whosoever believeth. That's the pinky finger. Raise your pinky. Let's be dainty. That's the smallest finger, sometimes the weakest, sometimes the one that's most broken. And this is the one thing that gets most people. Belief. Faith. What is this? Whosoever believeth. You see, my family was a very proud family. My name's McCutcheon, which is a Scottish name. The Mac means son, and Cutchin is weapon. It's one of those weapons that had a stick out of it, had a chain out of it. There was this big metal or wooden ball with knives or spikes out, which you go over and hit somebody and break their head in with. So that's my name. I've heard of people being called Reverend Sin. Well, I'm called Reverend Kill Somebody. Well, you know, my family was very proud. They felt like, you know, I'm, I'm as good as those church people. No, they're not. They're as bad as those church people. That's right. You're not as good as anybody. When you stand before God, if you have... What's this virus going around? All right, if you've had that or been in your house, don't shake my hand. I don't want to run the risk of getting sick. If you don't go, don't come to my house. I don't have anybody to take care of me. Now. I don't. You don't need to come to my. I don't want you in my house if you're sick. Don't bring in one. If you've even got one virus left, you stay away from me. And God won't let one sin into His holy heaven. Not, not, not one. I don't care if you are the most moral, generous, loving, kind person in the world. If you have one sin, you can't enter in, and everybody has at least one. And like laced potato chips, you just don't have one. Believe it. You see, faith, just by saying, you mean I've got to do it like everybody else? Yep. You mean I just, all I have to do is trust and give my life to Christ? That's all I've got to do? I don't have to go out and change everything? Nope. You just give it to Christ. Let me share something with you, folks. Listen. Waiting until you get your life right before you believe in Christ and give your life to Him is like saying, well, you know, I'm going to work on this cancer before I go to the doctor. I'm going to take care of this cancer myself. That's not going to work. I had a brother who told me, when he, my only brother, when he walked out of church on a Sunday morning, he would leave the bars in the morning to come hear me preach. He walked out the church one Sunday morning and said, I want to talk to you about this. And I could not get him to understand. He just, all he needed to do was trust God. He said, no, I got some things straight. And I said, no, no, no. Two weeks later, he was killed in an automobile accident. You don't, you don't take care of sin by yourself. There's nothing you can do except trust. Nothing you can do. And then, if you believe in who loves you, who has it, who died? What did he do? What else? 
that commitment that whosoever believes would not perish but have everlasting life. All right. Let's see here. One of you young ladies, would you come up here and help me a moment? No? Okay. Do we have a guy here that will come up and help? Come on, fella. Come on. You right there. Come on. Come on. Now, if the sermon goes long, it's his fault. What is this? A pen. A pen. That's right. And uh, I want to ask you a question. Do you think you could take this pen out of my hand? You don't think so? Would you like to try? Okay, you won't bite me. You won't pinch me or kick me because I've had it all done before. All right, see if you can pull it out. Use both hands. Pull it. Pull hard. Pull. Hard. There you go. Come on, try harder. There you go. Go for it. Twist it. Twist it. Not me. Twist the pen. All right. All right. What's your name? Hunter. All right. Give Hunter a hand. Thank you, Hunter. Oh, by the way, Hunter, why couldn't you get it out of my hand? It's slippery. Okay. It's metal. And I'm bigger than you are. When you're in God's hand, nobody in the world, no demon, no devil, no one, no one, no one can take you out of God's hand. Right, Hunter? That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the gospel. You have everlasting life. And all you have to do is share that love other people. I'd like for every head to be bowed and every eye closed. I'd like the pastors to take their places in the invitation, the musicians. I want you to know that I have not come here in any way to embarrass anyone. My heart for you If you do not know for certain that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and today you want to do that, my heart for you is to come and know Him. My heart for you as a Christian, teenagers, children, and adults, is to start sharing His love in a very simple way with one verse using your hand. Now, if you're not certain if you were to die today that you have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ and that you would spend eternity in heaven with Him. And I'm not talking about church membership or church affiliation or spiritual background. I'm talking, do you know that you know that you know Jesus Christ? The pastor and I are the only ones looking around. Fellas, close your eyes back there. Thank you, fellas. Thank you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're not certain that you have that relationship, You'd like for us to pray for you. I will not embarrass you. I will not come to where you are. I will not put you on the spot. But if you'd like for me, just pray for you. I'm not certain, Brother Don. Would you please pray for me if you lift your hand? I promise to pray for you. I'm not certain if I were to die today whether or not I'd go to heaven. Would you lift your hand right now? Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Any others? Just lift your hands high enough for for us to see them. Any others? 
And I'll, I'll recognize you, but thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. God bless you. You may put it down. Any others? Thank you, little one. I see your hand over here. I will pray for you. Thank you, young lady. I see your hand. Any others? Thank you. Thank you, little young lady. I see. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. God bless you. Any others? Please hold it up until I see your hand. And I'll recognize it because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. All right, Christian, thank you. Thank you, young person. Thank you. Now, Christian, I want to ask you a question. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when was the last time you attempted to share him with anyone else? Can you even remember? Do you have someone that you love that you're not certain loves Jesus? And you want God to save them. You want God to change their lives. And you're willing to let God use you to share his love. And you'd like for me to pray for you that God would give you courage to share his love with people that you love. If you want me to pray for you, Christians, I will pray for you. Would you lift your hands? I know I'm a Christian. Please pray for me. Thank you. 